Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. And the teaching thereof. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 19 this morning. We're going to look at a few verses, verse by verse. Go through a passage of Scripture this morning and hear what the Word of the Lord says. Now, Luke is our book of the month. So if you want to know where you should be reading in the Bible, or where to be a good place to read this month, you can read about the life of Christ as told by Luke, inspired by God, but we're going to look at the first 10 verses this morning. I'm going to read those, and then we'll pray together. In Luke 19, 1, the Bible says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way when Jesus came by he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name Zacchaeus he said quick come down I must be a guest in your home today Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy but the people were displeased he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner they grumbled Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. I want to preach to you from a sermon titled, Out of That Verse, Jesus Came to Seek and Save Those Who Are Lost. Pray with me. God, thank you for sending your son to this earth. God, thank you for coming here clothed as a human being, living a perfect life and being our sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for seeking us then, now, and always. I pray that you would teach us today what you'd have us to know from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. A lot of talk in organizations, and because some churches have become so corporate, um, they, they, they follow organizational trends, corporate trends, even put their mission statement on the wall, like restaurants and uh, businesses, churches want to have a mission statement. I'm okay with that, a vision statement, a purpose statement, all that stuff. Um, Jesus had a purpose statement. The purpose that Jesus came to this earth is shown to us in the last verse that I read to you and in the title of our message. And if you ever thought, why did Jesus come to this earth? And there's no doubt that he came. See, here's the reality. Everybody believes in Jesus. Muslims believe in Jesus. Hindus believe in Jesus. Atheists believe in Jesus. Satan worshipers believe in Jesus. Pagans believe in Jesus. Everybody believes in Jesus. He's the most documented human being in the history of the world. Our calendar is based on this one man, Jesus Christ. It's only 2022 because of 
Jesus. There's no doubt that Jesus came. Everybody doesn't believe that he was God's son and that he rose from the dead, but we'll talk about that later. But the reason he came is seen in verse 10 and in the title of this message. He came to seek and save those who are lost. Let me jump ahead to the punchline before I even get into the teaching right now. I've told you this many, many times. It is not hard to get someone to accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. It really isn't. The hard part when it comes to soul winning, sharing your faith, evangelism, the hard part is not getting someone to accept Jesus as their Savior. The hard part is getting them to admit that they are lost, desperately undone without Christ, on their way to eternal punishment for their sins. That's the hard part, getting them to admit that they're lost. Once, once they come face to face with their lostness, then they want a Savior. It's like people, I've told you before, like my kids at the community swimming pool. None of those kids like the lifeguards. No, they, they wish the lifeguards weren't there because the lifeguards enforce rules. The lifeguards tell them to get out of the pool when they hear thunder. The lifeguards are a killjoy. But when somebody's drowning, there's only one person on their mind that they're looking for. And that's the person with the whistle. That's that person with the buoy. That's that person. They, see, people who know they are sinking, they want a Savior. And Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. I hope that you've been found by Christ. If you know God has found you for sure and, and, and you believe that, we ought to say amen right now. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's just go through these verses and, and, and try to hear what God has to say in verse 1. The scripture says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Now, if you look, Jesus did most of his ministry in a region called Galilee. And he never really traveled, uh, theologians say, much more than about 70 miles from his place of birth. Could you imagine that? I mean, uh, uh, y'all, y'all almost seven, y'all travel 70 miles back and forth just to come to church. Uh, y- y'all probably do too. Uh, but we, we're so used to living in Jacksonville which we call it a big city, people from Chicago, New York, Dallas, Tampa, Orlando, Miami, Atlanta, they laugh when they hear people call Jacksonville a big city, but it is the largest city in the continental United States by land mass. It's a long way from here to the other side of town. So Jesus didn't travel, of course, he was walking too, but he traveled from city to city during his ministry, and here's the reality. If you had to walk a long way, would you take, if you already had a long distance to walk, would you take the long way or the short way? If you look at a map, and you can Google map of Jesus' travels, and it'll show you the routes that he walked, and you will see how specific and how unusual this is, because typically, somebody tell us, the shortest distance between two lines is what? Uh, between two points is a straight line. He didn't go on a straight line here. He actually went way far out away from, he went way to the east. He could, there was a much more direct route from where he was because he was on his way to Jerusalem. But he went way out of his way to enter Jericho and he made his way. He didn't just go to Jericho, he made his way through town. Now, the only reason you'd have to make your way through a town instead of just driving right through the heart or walking right through the heart of it is if you were looking for something specific. And I want you to know, everything God does is specific. There is no random in this life. 
God is in control of everything. The Bible says that a bird doesn't fall to the ground without, without God being overseeing it. And I want you to know you're not here by coincidence today. You're not here because you, you made the great choice to be here. You played a part in it, but God had a design for you to be here. And God had a design for his son to walk out of his way, not in a straight line, but to go not only through Jericho, but to make his way through the right part of town where he could end up. Lots of different ways he could have went, but he went through Jericho because he knew there was a man there whose heart was yearning for God. And the Bible teaches us that God will be found of you if you'll search for him. What's the scripture say? Seek and you shall find. And if you are here and you're not saved yet, if you know that you're not truly born again, see, because here's the thing. I was in church a lot as a young person. I walked and I prayed a prayer, got baptized, carried my Bible to school every day in the seventh grade, was active in the youth group, did lots of different things without ever truly being born again. And you, you could be an usher, a deacon, a Sunday school teacher. You could be a pastor. You could be a worship leader. You could do all these different things without being truly born again. And if you're here and you're not sure that you're truly born again, the Bible promises you if you seek for him that you will find him. And there was a man, because Jesus knows everything, he knew there was a man in this town that he needed to make a special trip for. In verse 2, the Bible says there was a man their name Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Now, let me give you a little context. Uh, most people don't like paying taxes, amen? And, and it's hilarious. I, I saw a survey. Uh, this guy went out. He was doing a podcast. He went out, and he asked uh, people, who, who pays more taxes, poor people or rich people? And everybody said, poor and then they, they got explained the tax system. 52% of all people in this country pay zero taxes because they don't make enough to pay taxes. So if you're one of the 48% of uh, income earners who actually pays taxes, here's the bad news for you. The more money you make, the more you got to pay. And they don't just get you on income. Here's the thing. If you got a nice little uh, shack out in McClinney, that's worth $40,000, you don't even qualify to make you pay property taxes. But if you've got a $6 million house in Ponte Vedra on the ocean, whoo, you're paying about $85,000 a year just in property taxes. And that's even if your house is paid for. So people don't like tax paying, and they certainly don't like tax collectors. That's now in this day and age. But even the more so back then. Why? Because Rome was oppressing Hebrews. Rome had enslaved the Hebrew people, and tax collectors, when we read about tax collectors in the New Testament, are typically Hebrews that were working for the oppressor, stealing money from their own people. Okay, let me try to paint a better picture for you. Let me, let me, I, I, I'll, I'll help the African Americans in the room first, then I'll go to white folk. I'm not going to forget you Hispanic people and, and Asians either. If, if Deacon Dixon, if we found out today, wave your hand, everybody, everybody Deacon. If, Deacon, if we found out today that Deacon Dixon, for the last 10 years, 
had secretly been going to Klan meetings and he was working for the Klan and the only reason he was really up in this church was trying to get your name and your phone number and your home address, black folk, so he could turn it over to the Klan, we might feel different about him. It's not really that way, is it? No. Um, I'll I'll skip the rest of the race. I just... uh, uh, I said I'd get to you, but I'll save the time. You ought to be able to understand when a person is working for the oppressive government and taking it out specifically on their own people, that's bad. Say bad. So here's this little Hebrew dude, Zacchaeus, whose name means pure one. (laughs) Now, he wasn't living up to that. He was not just a tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector in the region. Okay, so tax collector was a decent job back then, uh, money-wise, but it wasn't a very rich job. And I want you to read the Bible specifically because the Bible is a specific book, and all the words are there for a reason. He wasn't just a tax collector. He was the what? Chief tax collector. So he'd been doing this for a long time. He had raised up through the ranks. He wasn't new to this game. He had been oppressing people for a long time, and he wasn't just the chief tax collector in the region, he had become rich, not through his wages as a tax collector, but because he was participating in what they called in the first century tax farming, which was to abuse people that they thought they could get over on. See, if you, if you mess around and, and you, you tell uh, Nancy Rich that she owes uh, $2.5 million property taxes on her house in Lake Asbury this year, you're just going to go for that and write them a check? No, but if, but if you tell, oh, well, let's don't get off that money. Nobody's got that kind of money. But if, if you tried to sell something, uh, if you tried to sell a candy bar to me for $8, I might buy it because I like candy. And I got $8. But if you talk to somebody else with a little bit better thinking than me, they'd look at you like you're crazy and say, hey, I, don't, I don't owe you $8 for that candy. Man, I walked into Walmart. Walmart's a scam. Y'all know I don't cook. Y'all know I don't keep much food in my house. What, what, what I got in my house? I got cereal, milk. I got some Pop-Tarts. I had to get some batteries because that stupid smoke alarm started screaming at me yesterday, and I had to snatch it out of the wall. So I'm like, we got to go get these 9-volt batteries. $110 later. End up walking out of Walmart, had some Dr. Pepper and some, some white grape peach Welch's juice and whatever else I got for $110. But I thought, man, that's expensive. Now, if they would have looked at me and said, uh, that's $500, I'd have been like, no, no. I looked at them when they said $110, I thought, that can't be $110. One ten. They looked for people that they could get over on. Tax farming was abuse. Tax farming was upcharging. Tax farming was sticking it to people. And listen, back then, they had Roman guards with them. And they, you paid what they told you to pay. And the dude that had become very rich, here's what we can know from that. Because he was the chief tax collector and he had become very rich, he had been doing it for a long time, and he was ripping people off. It was a good job, but it wasn't a very rich job. I, I get curious. My mind, just, my mind just likes to read. I love research. 
the tax collector. Tax collector is still a job. Every county in America has a tax collector. Now, what kind of person, and mostly people go to church. I'm thinking, did you learn nothing in Sunday school? You, you want to be a tax collector? Um, mm. But then I got to looking at the salary they make. The tax collector in Duval County, and you can look it up. If you Google Duval County tax collector salary, not only will it tell you his, it'll tell you the clerk of court, it'll tell you the property appraiser, it'll tell you the superintendent, it'll tell you the sheriff, it'll, it'll tell you what school teachers in that county make. It's got a whole chart on there, tell you everybody in the county salary. The tax collector in Duval County last year made $169,884. That's a lot of money. Let me help you with that. That's almost $3,300 a week. That's a lot of money. Let me help you with that. That's about $82 an hour. And that don't even count benefits. That's just cash in hand. And this guy's got hundreds of people working for him. Listen, when you go to the tax collector's office, you walk, you walk in and ask for the man's name on the sign. He ain't there. He's playing golf with the mayor. He's at a three-hour lunch. He's not in there working for that three, four grand a week, but lots of money going, going to taxes, and that's not even counting the abuse. How, any any of y'all think they might get a little money on the side, a little kickback, a little under the table, grease that palm? Listen, Zacchaeus was getting his palm greased, and he was abusing his own people. He was not liked at all. Verse 3 says, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Now we got, now that, that must have been some real shortness because Hebrew people are, are about this tall on, on average nationally right now, about, about five, five foot four. Um, and he was short to them. How many of y'all remember that song? Zacchaeus was a what? And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And so this, this is where we get that story. Zacchaeus, he was short in stature. He wanted to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. I want to tell you something. You might not be short in here uh, right now. You might not be short in stature, but hear me good. Everyone has obstacles when it comes to, see, to finding Jesus. I don't know what your obstacle is. I don't know what made it difficult for you to come to Christ. I don't know what makes it difficult for you to continue following Christ. But I want to tell you something. If you ever set out on your mind to see Jesus, there will be obstacles. Talk to somebody who's followed God for a long time. They'll let you know. I always see that bumper sticker, and I just laugh. With that bumper sticker that says, real men love Jesus. I think, well, I hope you know. Because that's, that's, that's a whole lot harder than putting a bumper sticker on a car. But there's obstacles, and one of his obstacles was physical. And I don't know if your, your obstacle is physical. It, it might be something based on your past, some abuse that you suffered. Whatever your obstacle it is, everybody has obstacles. In verse 4, it says, talking about Zacchaeus, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. I'm not going to keep you long, so I'm not going to drag out every point in every verse here. But I want you to see the amount of raw effort that this man was willing to put forth. This is an unsaved man. This is a non-Jesus follower. 
at this point. This man, based on his job and the way he was treated in the community, was not a church-going person. They would not have received him into the, the church community had nothing to do with tax collectors. They called them sinners. And they avoided them like the plague because most of them were thieves. And this man's not following Jesus. He's not in love with God. But he had made up his mind. Something had prompted him to want to see Jesus. And this is, we, we've got different stories in the room right now. Some people found God in this church. We found God wherever you were. Something prompted you to want to examine the claims of Christ. And so he puts a lot of work in. He runs ahead and he climbs a tree. Now, I don't know. I read a lot of commentaries uh, studying for this message. And most of them talked about it was a childish thing to climb a tree. And I thought, well, what about tree climbing is childish? Then I thought, well, soon to be 59-year-old man, when's the last time you climbed a tree? Oh, it's childish behavior. It is. It's, it's, it's not something that rich people, when's the last time you saw a rich man wearing a robe climbing a tree? I want to climb a tree with a robe on anyway. You got weirdos looking up. So this is very unusual, say unusual. He didn't run for people. He didn't climb trees. This wasn't in his normal daily activity. And if you want to find Christ, whether you're saved or unsaved, if you want to see more of God, you're going to have to do something. Look at somebody say, do something. He ran ahead. He climbed. This is extreme effort on his part because he knew Jesus was going to pass that way. He put in physical effort. He put in mental effort. He really, really wanted to see Jesus. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it's on your screen, Jeremiah 29, 13. God made a promise to all human beings. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, why is it that the prayer I prayed in third grade uh, stood up, shook the preacher's hand, got baptized, went to church all the time? Why didn't that result in true biblical salvation for me? Because I wasn't searching for God with all my heart. I was doing what I had been doing my whole life. My sister had done it. A week or two before, so I figured, well, I guess I should do it. And the preacher stood up one day and said, if you don't want to go to hell, you need to come down to this altar right now and pray this prayer with me. And I thought, well, my sister ain't going to hell. I don't want to go by myself. So I went down. But it didn't get me saved. Why didn't that? I, not much different than what I did, actually. On July 15, 1981, I got on my knees and I prayed and asked God to save me in the third grade. I got on my knees and asked God to save me uh, in 1981. Once it worked, the other time it didn't. Why? Because God put this clause in the Bible. It happens when you search for me with all your heart. So you can seek him, not with all your heart, and not find him. To find him has to be a whole heart thing. And that's why I agree with Billy Graham, I agree with most uh, Orthodox theologians who believe that the four different types of soil represented in the parable of the sower, the seed, and the soil uh, are talking about people in church. If you're familiar with that parable, the Bible says that the, the seed is the word of God, and it's thrown on the hearts of people. Well, the only place that the seed of the word of God is thrown on the hearts of people on a regular basis is inside the church. 
And there's four different types of people there. And if you study that passage of Scripture, you'll find out that only one of those four ever produced fruit. The other three die and are cast into the fire. And this parable is, is, is teaching us plainly. And listen, you ought to look around real quick. Because I believe in the Word of God. And according to that passage of Scripture, and many great preachers have said it before I even thought about it, only one out of four people going to church on Sunday morning is truly saved. I say y'all got the best chance on the second row because y'all got the most people. Saying one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Well, well, about two, 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 little maybe two and a quarter. Uh, the other seven of y'all. I hope it's you. We got a real issue right here. Elaine says, well, I know I'm going. <laughs> I'm not saying your row has to be one out of four, but I'm saying on average. Y'all do realize everybody going to church not truly going to heaven. You realize every preacher holding a microphone not truly going to heaven. Every worship leader is not truly going to heaven. You got to search for God with all your heart. I want to tell you, this, this is what Zacchaeus was doing on that day. This wasn't a casual thing. Well, let me go to church, see what they're talking about. Let me show up to church since I'm here. No, no. He, 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 was, he was in a real seeking mode. Verse 5 says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Now here, Zacchaeus thinks he wants to see Jesus. He thinks he's putting forth all this effort to see Jesus. What he didn't realize is Jesus already knew who he was, knew what tree he was going to be hanging out in, and went a special way out of his way to go and see him. Because here's the reality. Even when we think we're seeking God, God's been seeking us from eternity. Nobody had to tell Jesus Zacchaeus' name because Jesus is God and he knows everything. Think of the shock on this dude's face. Number one, he's out in a crowd full of Hebrews. He probably felt a little awkward having his name announced because it'd be like, uh, now he's not the tax collector anymore, uh, but I, I live in Clay County, and so, some, some of y'all live in Clay County. Our church used to be in Clay County, and forever. Anybody remember the name of the tax collector in Clay County? Jimmy Weeks. Jimmy Weeks. Uh, if somebody would scream, if, 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 if the president was in a motorcade and he stopped and he looked up in a tree and he said, hey, Jimmy Weeks, everybody would be like, that's come tax collect. Not Jimmy Weeks. He's a good Christian man. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> but he probably felt awkward to have his name called out in front of all those people he was oppressing, in front of all his people who he was just, just stealing money from i'm gonna tell you something god's gonna have you do some things that are awkward well i don't want to be embarrassed well do you want to go to heaven well i don't i don't want to have to do what somebody else tells me what to do well do you want to go to heaven see zacchaeus had had to come to heaven the same way i had to you had to and everybody else has to because the bible says for itself Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one 
comes to the Father except through me. Now, we live in this age where we've tried to make uh, grandiose the concepts of open-mindedness and inclusion. And, and there's some value to that in certain places. But you can't be open-minded about everything. Well, I'm just open-minded. No, you're not. No, you're not. I, I, wish, I wish I had my open-mindedness meter. I'd hang it on everybody's neck, find out who the most open-minded person in the room is. Uh, I, I, I'll pick on Wayne. Let's pretend Wayne's open-minded. Wave at everybody, Wayne. All right. Um, oh, I picked, I picked a bad one because Wayne, Wayne goes by multiple names. Wayne, Wayne is your middle name? Are, are you sure about that? Because I, I think you look like a Ray Ray. Is your name Ray Ray? Okay, let's go with your last name. Dor your last name, Dorsey. Yeah? Are you sure? Is there room for discussion on that? What if I think you look like a Johnson? Or Jones? Phillips? Matthews? Just Dorsey? So you just, you just won't even discuss it. You, you want, you, what, what, what if I feel like? Your name ought to be Jones. It's just still Dorsey. See, when something is the truth for sure, there is no open-mindedness about that. Not unless you've lost something up here. I mean, I, 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 I could come over here and, 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 and get on Nancy. Um, are, 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 you, are you a woman? You sure about it? Is, you, is there room for discussion on that, or is that locked down? See, there's just certain things that, uh, see, I should have got on Marcus. You, you, are you a man? <laughs> You're funny today. You better hope your mama feeds you while he sits between his grands because, you know, they're sweet to him all the time. Mama beat him with a stick. Open mind, there's a time for open-mindedness for sure. And there's a time for inclusion for sure. But not in religion. Christianity is the most closed-minded religion of all religions. Now, really, most religions, they, they won't tell you up front, but they all believe the same thing. Their crowd's going to heaven, everybody else is going to hell. Muslims believe that. Mormons believe that. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that. Catholics believe that. Baptists believe that. Jesus said, he's the only way. Now, Google Oprah Winfrey said Jesus can't be the only way. And watch that two-minute clip. I'm not, hurt. I'm not hating on Oprah. Um, Oprah made something out of nothing and became the most powerful woman in the world uh, in many respects. But when that lady stood up and said Jesus is the only way to heaven, Oprah said it, Jesus couldn't possibly be the only way to heaven. As big as, as God is, um, what you might call God, someone else might call a rock or Allah or Zeus. I thought, well, Oprah ain't going to heaven for sure. And I'm not judging Oprah, she's judging herself. Because she said Jesus can't be the only way. Well, what did Jesus say about himself? He is the only way. He said he's the door to enter into heaven. And if anyone tries to come in a different way, they're a thief and a liar and will perish forever in eternal punishment. Does that sound warm, fuzzy, inclusive, tolerant, open-minded to you? Mmm. See, this, this, this is why people have a problem with Bible-teaching churches because Bible-teaching churches believe the Bible. They believe Jesus said what he meant and meant what he said. 
And, and Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And Zacchaeus it thinks he's, he's chasing Jesus, but we got to understand Jesus knows more about us than we know about him. And he says, quick, come down. I must be a guest in you. Now, see, Zacchaeus could have did what most, what most people do, uh, visit churches or attend churches. I, I'll say it to you how I'm feeling. Somebody tells them what to do, or even God tells them what to do. First thought in the average person's mind in 2022, well, who is you? You knew I was going to say that, didn't you? Who is you? Come down from the tree. You know how long it took me to climb this tree? And I got a dress, uh, robe on, a man dress on, climbing down in front of all these people, staring at me. You didn't call me out by name. No, he did what he was told. See, the Bible says that if you correct a wise man, they, they, they will obey and grow wiser. But if you correct a foolish person, they'll hate you. Zacchaeus had a chance to tell him, look, I ain't, well, man, I'm the tax collector. I'm the chief tax collector here. You're some broke dude. You already told the whole world you don't even have a place to lay your head. You don't, you don't have no two pennies to rub together. You don't, you, you, you're catching fish to pay taxes with, uh, you know, miracle worker. But here's what he did. He obeyed God. Say obey. Jesus told him what to do. And Jesus told him how to do it. He said, do it quick. Come down here and do it quick. Verse 6 says, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. If I'd have printed these notes out, I'd, I'd have had this down for, you, for your next point. But think about this. Zacchaeus received Jesus with two different things. Found in the, in the last three words of this. Two things. Two ways that he did what Jesus told him to do. He did it with what? Excitement and joy. Not just excitement, but great excitement and joy. This will let you know how saved you really are. This will let you know how saved the people in your house really are. This will let you know how saved your children are. Because here, here's the fallacy of most people. Most parents just want to believe that their kids are saved because they're what? They're kids. Let me tell you something. You can't get saved riding on mom and daddy's coattails to get into heaven. You've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus on your own. Jesus said he's the only way to get to heaven. You can't come through mama's faith and daddy's faith. You've got to come by Jesus if you want to get to God. And here's how you know if you, if you have any real salvation at all and where you're at with God. Do you obey him with great excitement and joy? When it comes time to pick up your Bible, how many days a week? Seven, every day. When it comes time to pick up your Bible every day, the Bible says study to show yourself approved unto God. When, when the Bible says that we should be in his word day and night, meditating therein always. Uh, when, when it comes time to pick up your Bible, do you do it with excitement and joy? Are you like, whoa, praise the Lord. I get to shut out the rest of the world right now, and I get to spend time in God's word. It's about to be awesome. When you get on your knees and pray, do you do it with excitement and joy because you've carved out some time in your day where you can spend with the one true per with the one person who truly loves you more than anybody else never did you wrong and will never do you wrong? See, if you're not following God with great excitement and joy, it's a heart issue. And it's probably a salvation issue. Zacchaeus quickly obeyed God, and he did it with great excitement and with joy. Verse 7 says, but the people, <laughs> but the people were displeased. Church folk, religious people, 
Because these were Hebrew folk. These were people following the miracle worker. These were people in the crowd going out to see the, the prophet walking through town. Those people were displeased. And here's what they said. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. You see, because that's what lost folk do. They grumble, and they're not happy. There's another key indicator of where you're at with God. If you're just miserable, if you're just unhappy, if you just don't have that joy, 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 where? Where? Yeah. That, see, some of y'all didn't grow up in a good church. If you don't have that joy of following God, these displeased people, listen, people bad-mouthing other folk, people talking about other people, they said uh, they weren't happy, and they said he's gone down to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Here's the thing. What's the Bible say? How many people have sinned? All. All have sinned. How in the world can you position yourself to call somebody else a bad human being when we're all bad people in need of a, of a perfect Savior? There are no perfect people in the world but Jesus. Everybody needs salvation. That's why I tell you, I don't see any difference, and the Bible doesn't see any difference, and church folk need to get off this. Stop. I, people, they don't do it to me anymore because I've, been pre I've preached on it so much. Uh, but I used to have people come up to me and say, well, Pastor Scott, I didn't know that sister so-and-so was a smoker. I thought she was a She passes out the bulletins in the foyer. She's a smoker. Well, I don't know how churches got on, churches got on smoking, drinking, and homosexuality. And I'm going to tell you why. I, I, I studied this for a long time. When I first got saved, I'm like, why, why do they pick on those three? When, when, when drinking ain't any worse than not praying enough. Smoking is not any worse than not reading your Bible enough. Being a homosexual is not any worse than being a glutton. Well, I found out why preachers in America fasc got fascinated with those three things. Because that fat, lazy, gluttonous, hateful, mean, critical, judgmental, non-Bible-studying preacher knew he was never going to smoke, drink, or be gay. So what did he want to target? People who smoked, drank, and were gay. Why? Because he, now if he wanted to target gluttony, oh, now he's got to point the finger at himself. And he didn't want to do that. If he wanted to target gossip, now he's got to point the finger at his wife. And he wanted to stay in his house and sleep in his bed. Listen, no one sins any worse. you got to stop looking at other people as sinners and realize the desperate sin that you've got in your own life. There's another key indicator of where you're at with God. Do you know how sinful you are? Because if your thing is, well, I'm not any worse than that preacher, blah, blah, blah. I'm not any worse than them people at that blah, blah, blah church. Uh, that's, that's a key indicator. There's a, there's a heart problem there. Because people who truly have met God and understand spirituality and understand God's perfect plan of redemption, they understand all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They understand. If, if, if not for the grace of God, there go I. They understand. That could have been me. But God had a different plan. They're out there, these mean-spirited church folk, judging folk, grumbling. Listen, don't be that person. If you're not saved and you want to come to church, come to church. But quit grumbling about folk. 
If you're unsaved and you want to come to church, come to church. Learn more about God. Get to the place where you can finally accept Christ for, for yourself. But, but don't sit back and look at people and try to say how bad they are because all that's doing is keeping your eyes off you. Deacon Dixon spends a lot of time in the gym. Power lifter, former power lifter, bodybuilder, all that stuff. Um, when you were lifting at your best, if you would have walked around examining how everybody was lifting, you never go in the gym, you go in the gym, don't lift no weights for yourself, just walk around and tell everybody else how they're doing it wrong. You think you could ever got as strong as you are now? Not, not a chance. It doesn't work that way. You need to focus on yourself. This is a key sign of people doing stuff wrong. Say wrong. They're grumbling because that's what unsaved people do. These people weren't happy that Jesus was being kind to Zacchaeus. And I'm going to tell you something. If you ever follow God at a high level, guess what your friends and family are going to do? Oh, they're going to grumble. They're going to be displeased. They're going to find people to talk about. They're going to talk about the sin of the people around them. Here's my favorite. This is a telltale sign. If you've ever said this, trust me when I tell you this. You're unsaved and need Christ. Well, you know what's her problem? She just thinks she's holier than thou. I don't like holier-than-thou people. And, and, and typically, that person doesn't think they're holier-than-thou. You're just mad because they're holier-than-you. And that, and that points the finger back at you. Listen, recognize your need for Christ. Recognize your own sin. Stop concentrating on what other people need to do and get your own stuff together. Because concentrating on what other people need to do is a boo game that will keep you from ever improving. If you want to improve, if you want to have more joy, if you want to have more excitement for following Christ, if you want to be the man, the woman that God created you to be, you need to focus on God and you. Focus on your own personal relationship with God and not grumbling about other people and their shortcomings because that's just a justifier for you not ever getting better in your own life. Now, in verse 8, oh, here comes the change. Say change. Meanwhile, okay, so meanwhile, and I've told you, and I'm going to keep telling you, pay attention to the punctuation when you read anything, but especially Scripture. It'll help you understand more. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces so you can get it down to your spirit and digest it and understand it. Meanwhile, time has passed. There's a period of time that has gone by. See, there was a crowd outside. Jesus said, get out of that tree. I'm going into your house. They're outside grumbling and mumbling. We don't know what Jesus is talking to Zacchaeus about. The Bible doesn't give us that insight. But obviously he was talking to him about something because there was a big change that happened in Zacchaeus' life. And meanwhile, meanwhile is after this conversation that they've had, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. Wow. Now let me just go on record and say, there is no commandment that says you've got to give half of your wealth to the poor. Breathe easy. And then he went on and said, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back not just their money, but four times as much. Now, somebody, let's pretend like we're in Wednesday night open discussion Bible study. Why, anybody, can anybody think why Zacchaeus would be zeroing in on if I've cheated people on their taxes? Because he did. Why would he be zeroing in on 
Jesus didn't tell him to pay him back four times what he took. No command in the Bible said anything about paying them back four times what they took. Why, why, why was he zeroing in on wanting to pay them back four times as much? His conscience had come alive. The Holy Spirit had taken up residence inside his body. And his conviction was on him. And here's the thing about God. You ever get real with God, right with God? You ever get saved for real and let God come move in on the inside of you? You're going to realize, man, I got some things I need to get right. I got, I got some things I, I, I need to fix. Now, nowhere in the Bible does it say you got to go and give back four times as much as anybody you ever stole from. And, 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 and thank God that this is different. I love the fact that this is different than the rich young ruler. Remember the rich young ruler? See, he says, I'll give half my wealth to the poor. What did Jesus tell the rich young ruler to do? Sell everything you got and give all of it to the poor. Well, ain't you glad God didn't tell you that? Zac- Zacchaeus is like, hey, let me offer half before you tell me what you told that rich young ruler. <laughs> Jesus didn't tell the rich young ruler to give away all his money and give it to the poor just because he was rich. See, because all rich people don't worship money. Some rich people are materialistic, but I know some poor people that that love money more than rich people. Some rich people are generous. Some poor people are generous. The rich young ruler loved his money more than he loved God. And so Jesus approached him at his greatest area of need. Well, Zach's greatest area of need, he was a thief, a robber, and he had cheated people. And so he felt that conviction on his own. Isn't it great that when God becomes real in your life, he starts leading you to do stuff and you don't have to think of it all on your own? He starts putting it on your heart to get up a little extra early in the morning so you can read his word before you leave the house. See, because if you've got to come up with that on your own willpower, you're going to fail at that. But when God starts leading you into the truth, things get better. So Zacchaeus, he's dealing with these issues because these have been his issues And he is now a changed person. And that's the whole proof text of real salvation is change. It's not that you go to church. It's not that you read five chapters of the Bible every day. Nowhere in the Bible does it say read five chapters of Scripture every day. Not not that you keep the nursery. Not, not, Not that you're, you know, perfect attendance. None of that stuff. A changed life. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... This person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. This is the proof text of real salvation. It happened in Zacchaeus' life. God inspired Paul to tell the church at Corinth that's what's going to happen in their life. It happened in Paul's life. It happened in my life. It happened in the life of every person who ever got saved. Guess what happened? They changed. My mama's sitting right there. She'll tell you the truth. She's a hard charger still at, at, at this stage in her life. But back in the day, 41 years ago, when I got saved and started going to Hillcrest Baptist Church every day, because they had something going on every day, my mama called them up on the phone. She said, give me the phone number to people. You're going to church every day. Something's wrong with you. You, 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 you just spun out on some bad drugs. You're reading the Bible in my house. Uh, she called them and said, I want to know who's brainwashing my son to think he needs to go to church every day. That's the same woman that had just told me months earlier, I'll never come to get you. 
out of jail again and told the St. John's County Jail, you can keep him, and she held her word. She didn't come get me the last time I went to jail. But I changed. There was a change in my life, so much so that it freaked her out, and she was mad about it. Then a couple weeks later, my sister uh, saw me folding clothes one day on the couch. I never folded clothes. I, wouldn't even, I was folding towels for the house. I, I came home. My mom used to get so mad, she'd tell me, boy, why, why don't you just move out? You're using my house as a flop house. Remember saying those things? You're using my house as a flop house. You're just coming home to get, to get fresh clothes and leave again. She, she, traded, she, she got that guy traded in on a different guy who was sitting around folding towels, washing and drying house clothes. And fold. My sister said, something's wrong. What, why, why are you doing this? And I shared Christ with her, and she got saved. And now, so now my sister's going to church every day, and my mom's like, he didn't put his drugs on her. Oh, and my mom was not happy. She was not happy. And she told us constantly. Because we, you know, I was trying to tell her my way. Dean was trying to tell her in her way. And we both got different ways. Uh, Mom, you need to get saved. You need what we've got. Shut up talking to me about that. Who do you think took you to church? I took you to church when you were three days old. I, I held you when they christened you. Who do you think? Who do you think told you to get on the bus and go to church your whole life? She didn't really say that. I said that so she could hear it. She said she took us to church, but we, we, rode, the, we rode the church bus. She probably took us to church when we were so, too small to remember. But it offended her that we were trying to tell her she needed more than what she had. Why? Because people don't like that. People don't like to see you change. If you ever truly get saved, fall in love with God, get on fire for God, your family's going to try to ease you back. Well, it don't take all that. I'm saved too. No, you're not. My mom tried to play that mess. We were praying and praying and praying and praying for my mom to get saved. We were leaving stuff, tracks and Bibles and tapes. Y'all remember cassette tapes around the house? I knew God was working on her one night. I came in. There was a Christian comedian tape. I had his tape. Uh, I walked in. My mom was sitting in her chair. I don't even know if you remember listening to that tape. Uh, she was listening to that Christian comedian tape. She had tears in her eyes, and I thought, okay, let me get out of this room. Let God keep working on her. A couple weeks after that, she went to church. I thought it wasn't going to be great because the pastor wasn't preaching. We had a guest preacher named Connie Johnson. Uh, I don't know if y'all know. Y'all know Connie came out of the closet before he died? That's what I heard. Don't quote me on it unless you want to. I already told, I told y'all, preachers ain't perfect. Ain't perfect people serving a perfect God, delivering the mail. But I thought, man, I sure wish the pastor was preaching today. The invitation came. Me and my sister always sat together in church. And the invitation came, and we both. <laughs> you ever have anybody you really want to see get saved there in church and the invitation happened? My mom walked that aisle, gave her life to Christ, and guess what happened to my mom? Her life changed. Her life changed because everybody who ever got saved, their life changed. Why? Because if you're in Christ, you become a new person. Things pass away and new things come. That's one of the great proof texts of being a Christian. If you're still trying to change yourself, give up on religion and get saved for real and let God change you from the inside out, it's a better plan. 
Verse 9, we're almost done. Jesus responded. And, and, and he says this. See, they, they let us hear what Zach said to Jesus in verse 8. Uh, and, and so most, most theologians believe that the crowd heard this speech. And Jesus is saying this now for the crowd to hear. Salvation has come to this home today. For this man, he didn't say you. So he's not talking to Zacchaeus. He's talking to the crowd. See the context. He said, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Now, if there's a true son, there's a what? There's a false son. The Bible talks about true brethren and false brethren inside churches. Uh, and these people, remember Jesus earlier in the Gospels, uh, they had told him, we, we, we're already free. Because he said, if, if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And they said, we be sons of Abraham. We, 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 we're, we're already free. And he's like, you ain't a real son of Abraham because you ain't following the God that Abraham followed. You caught in religion. But he said, this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. I want to tell you something. Salvation happens instantaneously. It says salvation came to this home today. You don't have to go to church for six months, three months, three weeks. You don't have to read your Bible from cover to cover. You don't have to clean yourself up before getting saved. You don't have to go through a 12-step process to get saved. Salvation happens instantaneously. It's called a new birth. You got a birth certificate with a time written down on it. That's, that's how salvation comes. It happens instantaneously, and, and there's proof of a changed life. That's why Jesus said salvation came to this home today. This man doesn't have to do anything else. He doesn't have to give all his half his money away to the poor. And even if he don't pay back four times what he stole from people, he's already a son of God today. That's another proof text of, of people being lost, walking around saying, mm, is that what they teach you down there at that church? Oh, I thought you were a Christian. Mm, I thought you were a preacher. Oh, I thought you were supposed to be saved. <laughs> you're just screaming to the world that you're not saved, and you're mad that other people are Jesus is letting them know y'all bad mouthing this dude y'all calling him a notorious B.I.G. I mean sinner <laughs> just had to throw that in there they're calling this man a notorious sinner Jesus telling him he's a true when he said he's a true son of Abraham he was looking at him he is There's proof to salvation. And the proof is a changed life. Last verse, Luke 19.10. Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Don't feel bad when bad people come. to Bad people ought to come to church. Hookers and hoes, drug dealers, pimps. Everybody ought to come to church. Tax collectors. White-collar workers, rich folk, poor folk, educated people, homeless people, mansion-living people. Everybody ought to come to church and find God for real. Because Jesus came to seek the lost. You're sitting there thinking, I don't need Jesus. I'm a good person. I never killed anybody. Be careful that Jesus don't even seek you with that attitude. He came to seek the lost. He came to save the lost. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. You got to be lost, sure enough lost. You got to know that you're lost. 
before you can ever get saved. McGee, the who, what, where, when, why, and how. Who does Jesus want to receive him? Anybody that's lost. Are you lost here today? I'm a good person. I didn't ask you if you're a good person. Are you lost? Or have you ever really been truly born again? Instantaneously by the power of the Holy Spirit where God lives on the inside of you and you know for sure that you have an intimate, personal, dynamic, true relationship with the Holy God. Not just the who, but the what. What does Jesus want those to receive? What does he want with those people? He wants to save them so he can have a real relationship with them. The hymn writer was not talking exclusively, exclusively for himself when he said, and he walks with me and he talks with me. If you get truly saved, you can sense God with you. That's what they said they would call Jesus Emmanuel, which means God with us. You, you can sense God with you all the time on your good days and on your bad days. Got the who, the what, here's the where. Where, where does Jesus want people to go? He wants them to come from where they are and run to him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same way he did it for Zacchaeus, he'll do it for you. But will you come down off your high horse? Will you come down off your pride? Will you come down off your education or your money? Will you come down off your politics or your, or, or, or your uh, whatever persuasion you pick? Will you set everything aside and come down from where you are and what you think makes you you and go to Jesus? That's the who, what, where, here's the when. When does Jesus want you to receive him? Immediately and quickly, this day. The Bible says if, if you hear the Lord calling you, not to harden your hearts. Today is the day of salvation, the scripture says. God's a right now God. Why would you put off till tomorrow what you could do today? Well, I want to I get my affairs in order before I get saved. No, you, you, you're trying to clean up the fish before you catch the fish. Give your heart to God. Let him change you. Stop trying to change yourself. You don't have to do anything for God to love you. He loved Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a scoundrel. He loved Scott Becker. Scott Becker's a scoundrel. He loves lost people. And he wants you to get saved now. Why does Jesus want you to get saved? So you can be with him in heaven forever. So you can know his father. The heavenly father, creator of all the universe. I meet so many people that try to act heady and high-minded. Well, I study all the major religions, Mr. Becker. Why would you study all the major religions when you can have a true relationship with the one living God, creator of everything? How does Jesus want you to receive him? Same way Zacchaeus did it. Great excitement and joy. You say, what will people think about me if I, if I get saved? <laughs> They'd be happy for you if they know God. They'll be happy for you. People have falsely said that the angels rejoice over one sinner that comes to Christ, one sinner that repents. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. 
over one sinner who comes to God. Do you know who's in the presence of the angels? God. God rejoices when people get saved. God would rejoice if you gave your life to him today. He puts you in this earth for his purpose. And you can't even begin to walk in that until you become his child. The last thing I'm going to ask you, are you born again? I'm not talking about your own, I've got my own deal with God. No, you don't. God doesn't make side deals with people. You didn't find that anywhere in the Bible. You made that up. Jesus said you must be born again. Jesus said unless you're born again, you cannot enter into heaven. So if you think you're going to spend eternity in paradise, it won't be where Jesus is. Unless you're born again. It won't be where Jesus is unless you reject every other way and accept the true and the living way. Come to God. If you're here and you're not saved, the Bible says that if you'll call on the name of the Lord, God will save you. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us to be here today. God, I pray that you would do your work your way. You said no one could come unless you draw them. God, I pray for every unsaved person in this room right now that you'd let, let, let them have an awareness that it is not well with their soul, that there's more that they need to do to become a true child of God. God, I pray that you'd move in this place. With every head bowed and every eye still closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor Scott, I'm not sure if I'm a real Christian, but I want to be. Or if you'd say, I know I'm not saved, but I want to be. You don't have to want it. And keep wanting it. You can take care of that today. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. I'm going to pray it out loud. I want you to pray it silently in your heart. This prayer is not magic. And the words in this prayer will not save you. But if your heart is sincere and you're really seeking God, God said if you'll seek for him, you'll, you'll, you'll find him. I'm going to pray a prayer. If you want to get saved today, with no one looking around, and you pray silently in your heart, because the Bible says God can hear the thoughts in your mind. If you really want to get saved, I'm not talking about rededicating your life. I'm not talking about getting saved again. I'm talking about getting born again for real. If you want today to be the day where you put your search to an end and you get on the right foot with God, when I pray this out loud, you pray it silently in your heart. Dear God, I believe in you. And I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to make payment for my sin. Please forgive me my sin. Save me. Change me. Make me a true Christian. With nobody looking around, if, if you prayed that prayer or something like that and you meant it and you really want to be the person God wants you to be, if you, if you pray and ask God to save you today, the Bible says whosoever believes in him should not be ashamed. With no one looking around but me, but just as a way of your personal testimony, if you prayed that prayer right now uh, just a moment ago and you really meant it, and you ask God to save you today, with no one looking around but me, would you slip your hand up, put it up, say, I prayed that prayer, Pastor, all right, all right. Okay, okay. Anybody else? All right. Amen. All right. I want to tell you something. You can put your hands down. But nine people just raised their hand, and more should have. Amen. If you're here and you know you should have raised your hand, I want you to do whatever you have to do to find God. And for those of you who prayed, everybody look up here at me right now. Jesus said, if you confess him before people, he'll confess you before God. On judgment day now some of you have done this before but you need to do it again if you believe you got saved today for real I'm not gonna have you come down front I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna 
bring you out of your seat. I'm not even going to ask you to say anything today. But the Bible says, if you'll, Jesus said, if you'll confess me in front of people, I'll confess you in front of God. Man, my greatest, greatest joy is knowing that when I get to heaven, I'm not going to have to stand on my own. Jesus is going to tell God he's, he's with us. And if you, if you want Jesus to confess you to God, if you prayed and, and, and you really meant it, if you believe God just heard your prayer and he saved you and you're not ashamed of that, I just want you to stand up right now just, just, just as a way of saying I'm not ashamed. I, I meant that and I did business with God today. All right, all right, all right. All front, back, side to side, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. I thank God for you. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.